it's here. Peloton's best offer of the season. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton tread. Choose from accessories like a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, yoga blocks, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. Hurry, Peloton's best offer of the season is here, but not for long. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Limited time offer cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Well, no, because you see, when Windows 10 is stupid and you got to use a, a special third-party thing called uh, Power Tools in order to use a a uh, hot button for a uh, hotkey for uh, for muting. So you need, you, you need, you need can a I Mac. Mute, can I mute now? No shit. Where is you it? You need at? a Mac. All all of this this media shit you do. You need to go Mac. Once you go Mac, you don't go back. Uh, no, go back. I'm so, sorry. I, I still prefer to have all the freedom. The fact is that I could easily fix this this issue by downloading an, an app. I didn't need Apple's Or, you know, you could just not have the issue at all. Do it. And then you wouldn't even have, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The problem would be fixed. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome. To bring Geek Radio to the podcast, the flagship and international podcast of LRMOnline.com, as well as the Genreverse Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts today, Joseph Jammer Medina, and uh, we kind of have a, a super skeleton crew today. Uh, and by that I mean we have me, Jammer, as well as one Danny Bartlett here with us. Hey there, Danny. How are you? That must mean I'm the other host. If you're one of them, then I must be the other one. And which then one you're of the other. Which one of us is the skeleton one? And am I, am I looking thin? Is that a problem? Is it delighted? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you always look thin. Between all of us, you, you definitely look the thinnest, but not in a grotesque way or a horrifying way, but in a way that is like, okay, well, you're, you're obviously a healthy person. So congratulations. I obviously eat less calories. Eat fewer that's what, calories. That's what you're saying. All right. So we've got two hosts and one of them skeletal. Fair enough. Skeletal hosts. Done. All right, well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. This is actually, considering how few people we have today with us, uh, we still have a lot of great shit to talk about. Specifically, uh, we got two primo pieces of content to discuss, um, one of which is going to be the Stranger Things season, season four Stranger Things. Did you have a chance to see all that, Danny? Yes, sir. All clued up. All clued up. Oh, okay. Yeah, me as well. As you heard last year, last week or the week before, I don't remember anymore. I wasn't, I didn't think I would be able to finish it. I thought like, hey, I'll probably be you know near, near the tail end of season four by the time this episode comes here. But weekend started, I started episode one and I was like, fuck, this show's dead. This show's gone. Like it's going to be done by the weekend. And it was. Um, so I guess a little tease for what I thought about the show was there right away. Um, <clears throat> and then of course, Thor, Love and Thunder has just hit theaters, um, I believe worldwide at this point, or, or a lot of major territories, including uh, North America. <clears throat> and it is receiving reviews that I think are not as unanimous as many would like it to be. But more on that in our opinions later on in the show. For starters, let's let's go, let's, let's take a swing over to, or I guess back to a different part of the MCU specifically having to do with Doctor Strange, which I don't know if I really can believe it, but Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I guess just came out like, what, a month, a month and a half ago? Not even that? I mean, it's, yeah, it, it hasn't like, been that it, long. It's, I, I just, it's not been that long ago. Was sure. it April? It was uh, no. April? 
I'll look it up for you guys. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's just it's well, just it weird to me because I was though. I, I was I sitting in the theaters for Thor, and I was like, wow. It's been a while since. I, wait, no, it hasn't. I was just here like five May, seconds ago. May sixth. Watching Sorry. Doctor Strange. May sixth. May sixth. So that's less. That's like two months. Two months exactly. It's insane. Anyway, so let's go ahead and talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is a little something something that's revealed via the audio commentary of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The writer Michael Waldron stated that. Uh, so. I'm trying to think here if I can get this specifically done in the in a previous ending of Doctor Strange, that movie, six one six Doctor Strange would have been trapped in the Incursion universe, while the evil Strange would have taken his place. Uh, so to be clear, six one six is our beloved Doctor Strange, and the evil one is obviously the evil Doctor Strange that we saw him going up against. So that probably would have been. In my opinion, you know, that, that walking scene at the end where he goes, he, he goes to his knees and he goes, ah, and you see the third eye. I bet we yeah. would have had something, a reveal where it would have been the evil strange instead of the good strange, which wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. Would have pissed me off. Would have been annoying. I would have hated it, but I still would have been like, oh, what's going to happen? And it almost would have seemed to be like almost a, a placeholder of the, uh, the secret invasion type thing where it's like, it's not, it's not a scroll, but it is someone else who they don't like so it's just really interesting to me how do you feel about this quote-unquote original ending um, well i think the, and, the, the yeah. big story here really was the fact that it was meant to come out before spider-man wasn't it which is mm-hmm. what i understood from the from the article was that it was actually going to be coming out before spider-man which is why that that alternate ending the original ending was going to be that way that would have then made sense why um, Doctor Strange, as we would have known him, obviously thinking he was our Doctor Strange, was was so quick to be convinced to brainwash the entire planet and let everybody forget who or forget who Peter Parker was, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so that was that was the big takeout from that that they changed all of that purely because of what was happening with the scheduling and release dates and things. Um, I'm uh, yeah, so yeah that, it, it would have been of, it would have justified his his weird you know personality i guess quote-unquote weird personality and yeah spider-man far from home wait no way home because in endgame he's pretty resolute when there's a decision to be made he, he he sticks by it right he won't he won't waver from what needs to be done and in this one it was almost like oh well twist my arm then that was easy I'll, <coughs> I'll do this for you um so yeah so i mean i could have seen how that would have worked because that could have been, ah, then like you just said, then he comes out at the end and we think, ah, oh, that was why he was making these weird decisions because it wasn't our Doctor Strange, it was the evil one. Um, so, yeah, I can see how that could have worked. Like you, though, I would have felt a bit a bit miffed by that. I would have felt it was a bit of a cop-out because I'm assuming we would have been watching that whole movie assuming that he was our Doctor Strange, right? And so to suddenly have the rug pulled out from under us might have been a bit of a, bit of a leap too far. But it's... It's an alternate ending. It, it, it's not the one we're going to get. I don't know if that would have made the film better or worse. I, I, I have no I idea. I mean, I think it would have made done. it worse. I think it would have made it worse. And I think it would have made, made, would have made Spider-Man No Way Home. Because I think Spider-Man No Way Home, it's good enough to where I can forgive Doctor Strange being the way he is. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of something you have to suspend your disbelief on a bit. People make a big deal about things. like Just like how people make a big deal about, oh, Reed Richards would never have said the word mouth because he would have given Scarlet Witch an opening to erase his mouth, which he did. 
But like, yeah. who in their right mind would have known? Oh, clearly, if I say the word mouth, yeah. his mouth's gonna be gone. That is not yeah, a logical it. conclusion anyone in the moment could come to instantly. I don't care how smart I did you read, are. I did, uh, yeah, I did read uh, an interesting, like, um, I'm not sure what the word is, you help me out, but a rebuttal to that in the sense that, yeah, Reed Richards is the like, smartest man on the planet, etc. But that doesn't mean he's necessarily a good tactician when it comes to open warfare. He might be the smartest man and be able to calculate stuff, but it doesn't mean he's the best leader in a battle so to speak right like captain captain america right he's not the smartest man but if you want someone to lead you in a battle he's the person i would pick right that that was their kind of way of getting around that it's like okay he did make a bit of a mistake but this is where you have to put your head cannon in like you just said you have to just forgive these little things to let the movie flow on and 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 enjoy the ride right so those minor decisions like that as well okay yeah but you know and i still don't think any logical person would have thought i better not tell him the ability otherwise she's going to erase his mouth like i just don't think that's that's not a viable logical option anyone's going to come to yeah we know it as an audience but they don't know it like it's fans come on this is your weekly dose of jammer hates fans (laughs) that should be a weekly segment here um but yeah you know another thing is interesting with regards to just the way that things are shifting in terms of schedule and I don't remember offhand, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find a specific date. But if I recall back when James Gunn was originally going to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 before he was fired and then went to DC for a bit, I'm not mistaken that they were going to actually release that either directly after, like sooner after Endgame than Thor Ragnarok, right? Yeah, it was yeah. originally so, slated for uh, or, May. Not Ragnarok. Uh, Guardians Three was originally slated for um, May t- May first, twenty twenty, before it was dropped. May first, twenty twenty. So, yep. like that is interesting to me. Like, just I wonder how much well Thor had to change, or how much his draft of Guardians had to change. Did he have to find a way to segue Thor out? I wonder how that might have changed things. And it's just one of the many interesting things about this is just how just shifting the date of things can really just alter how movies end and segueing to each other just how increasingly dependent they are on each other that is not necessarily a good thing but you know i think that it's been interesting how these movies both seem increasingly dependent and independent independent of each other they try to be standalone they try to be you know be complete stories within, within themselves but at the same time they also rely heavily on your investment in the characters from previous films and it's just, I think it's probably one of the reasons why it's also kind of like seems to be, I don't know, suffering fans' criticism these days more than usual. I know you haven't been a huge fan, Danny, of the MCU much since Endgame. And you no. verbalized them at a couple of points, but have now that you've seen Thor, you don't need to bring up your opinion about Thor, but how has your opinion updated on this? Um it, it's updated only in the sense that now I'm even more concerned and I can't go any more than that until we talk about Thor itself, um, particularly um, towards the end of the movie. But yeah, I, it's not filling me with much faith at the moment. And I don't know if this change in schedule would have made it any different. If they go in the route that they seem to be going, 
which I can't actually tell what that is, but it seems to be multiverse. That's what I was about route. to say. I was like, what route is yeah. that? I don't know where they're going. Yeah. Like with it these seems characters to be multiverse. Yeah, it seems to be. I don't know if flipping those two movies around or these three movies around would have made any any difference. I I can't see it somehow. I'm only I'm like you. I'm hoping now that now things have settled touch wood in the world of movie making and the world in general. That now, as they're making these films, they can settle on a path and link them how they want to link them, and not suddenly have to change course direct and and reboot and refix and edit and all that kind of stuff, which I don't think is helping at the moment. So yeah. All right. Any last words about Doctor Strange 2's original ending? No. All right. Well, let's go into the one we uh, got to to the TV side of things or the Disney Plus side of things. We were all treated to a pleasant surprise in two occasions recently. One was in Spider-Man No Way Home where one Matt Murdock showed up in the movie. And then, of course, in Hawkeye, I guess it was earlier this year. No, it was last year. I don't remember if it was earlier this year or late last oh, year. Shit. It was November last year where we had uh, Kingpin show up. And not just, you know, Matt Murdock and Kingpin, but the Matt Murdock and Kingpin from the Daredevil Netflix series, you know, officially making these the canon and definitive version of versions of those characters. It's still not 100% clear if they are like the same exact versions as in the Netflix series, but it's very clear that at least Marvel was super pleased with uh, their interpretations on the small screen. And now it looks like that both characters, Kingpin and Daredevil, will also be showing up in the new Echo series, which is a spinoff of Hawkeye. We were introduced to the deaf character over the runtime of that series. She became, she was like villain turned somewhat, I guess, morally gray, ambiguous type character who ultimately uh, didn't end up being, I guess, a, a, bi- a big villain for them. Um, what are your thoughts on, first of all, what were your thoughts before this was announced or before this was, this news came out? And regarding the Echo show, was this something you were excited for? And then did this, you know, I guess, rumor actually make you more excited for what the show will have to offer? I think it did. I wasn't, Echo was one of those shows for me that was like, well, I didn't, I don't think I'm excited for it, but based on, because I actually really enjoyed Hawkeye and I actually liked her character in that. So it's not something as we were watching the show that I was thinking, oh, I hope they make a spin-off show with her. Right. But when it was announced, I was like, well, okay, I'll be down with that if they make a good, obviously if they make a good one out of it, I was okay with it. I mean, happy to see what they do with it. But to hear that these two characters we were just talking about, the or particularly these iterations of these characters with these actors, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it because... Daredevil was my favourite of all the Marvel shows that was on Netflix, without a doubt. Um, I, I'm glad that they've seen the, the quality that was there, that, that those, both of those actors brought to those roles and see them as being good enough, should we say, strong enough to come onto the big screen. So I'm super happy about that. I hope they do keep the same exact character variations, but you know, with them using the same actors, they could vary them a little bit, maybe change their backstory a little bit. Um, ultimately, I think we're going to see the same versions of those characters. So I am more excited about Echo now, knowing that these two characters, and let's face it, they are going to pop up at some point. Probably more Kingpin than Matt Murdock, if, from what I can tell, but I'm happy to have them both. Yeah, for sure, 100%. I'm looking forward to seeing them on the big screen stuff, though. I want to see those films a bit more. Yeah, me too. Me too. I definitely want to see also Kingpin clash with Spider-Man at some point. That'd be cool. Yeah, but... yeah. 
We'll see if we actually fully get to that point. He seems pretty steeped in the Marvel Studios specifically side of things. So who knows there? But I, I wasn't too thrilled with the idea of Echo. Echo was a character who I thought worked as a supporting character, but I didn't know if I found her interestingly interesting enough to have her own show. So I, I was like, yeah, I'll watch it, but I don't really know what to expect. I don't really know yeah. where it can go or what sort of things they're going to be picking up on. But uh, this makes me a little bit more excited, gives me a little bit more investment. And, you know, it's probably exactly what Marvel is banking on, at least, is, is us. Because this is like, a, this is like a, a side character of a side character. Hawkeye was a side character, or Hawkeye was a side character. It mostly followed, yeah. you know, the, the new side character, and she was a side character within that. So it's like, <laughs> really making sure we are invested in these side characters is like help bring in some bigger guns to, to bring us along the process. I hope they still manage to make her can, in more interesting as a character in her own show. But yeah, this will at least get me more readily in the door and excited to see what happens. So Do you I think, think this is I'm, great news. Yeah. So as, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm also thinking maybe Kingpin's going to be used more in, in a flashback way, because as we know, the end of um, Hawkeye had a rather ambiguous gunshot and stuff. So do you think that maybe it's more of a Echo and Kingpin's story in the past and that's how they're going to be used? I mean, it's a good point, because if, if we're going to spoil Hawkeye, because it's been months, uh, he is responsible for the death of her father. Yep. So yeah, I could see definitely the flashback being used. But I also think that he can be utilized in, in a more direct villainous capacity. You know, maybe well, we certainly don't think he's actually been killed. I, uh, no. He was off screen. God, no. no. He's not, the he's dude was killed, yeah. exploded, hit by cars, and <laughs> like, he's just, he's basically a, a one-piece character, uh, you know, as far as his <laughs> durability goes. And maybe five of you understand what I mean by that, but he is just, there's no killing this guy. Um, so yeah, the, we didn't see a body. But yeah, I could definitely see him being as the main villain and then Echo and Daredevil teaming up. It also is an interesting dynamic. Have one person who's blind, one person who's deaf. How that's all going to work, that dynamic, it'd be interesting between the two of them. So actually, just speaking out loud, saying that made it interesting. I, I don't, not familiar with her in the comics at all. So I don't know if she actually has any regular interaction with Daredevil there, but it seems like a, a dynamic that is worth exploring. So yep. kudos for them. And hopefully I, I'm hoping they're relatively regular, you know, in the yep. same sense that like Yelena was in Hawkeye, you know, like yep. not necessarily like a main character, but close to a main character. Like, I think there's enough, yep. there's enough reasons to incorporate them into the main story in a big way, as opposed to just, Hey, I'm Daredevil, adios. And then, Oh, Hey, I'm Kingpin. And I'm just showing up, you know, my, my big ugly face here. And now I'm gone. Yep. All right. No, I can't. Any other... I can't see that. Next I up. Hope. Next up, we are moving to Star Wars. This is actually just a little, little, just fun little nugget that I, that I just think is funny because it just shows. I wore my shirt specially, specially wore my t-shirt specially <laughs> because after the disappointment of some Marvel stuff, no spoilers. I'm happy that this little world is getting better and better after some recent big screen disappointments. So yeah. carry on. I will touch my chest while you speak. Well, we'll talk about <laughs> that particular aspect, I think, in a moment. But right now, the funny story was just Taika Waititi uh, apparently trying to pitch Natalie Portman on a Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah. He's quoted saying, Natalie said to me, or wait, yeah, Natalie said to me, what do you want to do next? 
And I said, I'm trying to work on the Star Wars thing. Have you ever wanted to be in a Star Wars movie? She said, <laughs> I've been in Star Wars movies. I forgot about those ones. And then he laughed. It's super funny. It's just, yeah. it's just stupid, but it's just, I forgot. I mean, I didn't forget, but at the same time, I could see myself doing that too, where it's just like, hey, you want to be in a Star Wars movie? It's like, oh, wait, never mind. I forgot that. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen a prequel film. And I just try to force myself to forget those movies <laughs> that, you know, you know, just just cast maybe, it again. Who cares? Maybe we've got a bit of an inkling on, on how um, uh, Taika feels about the prequels without him saying, tell me how you don't like the prequels by not telling me how you don't like the prequels. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Or I can even see him being as someone who's like, who didn't, just didn't see them, didn't watch them. <laughs> yeah. Did, just didn't do it. So... That, not much of a story there, but I just thought it was funny. With regards to actual uh, story, you know, Andor is a series that is increasingly interesting to me. I know this is one that really is being touted as this is like the blockbuster Star Wars show. And, you know, I would have thought that this was Obi-Wan Kenobi, like that would be the blockbuster show. But as we saw, that was not the case. Not. Um, yeah. It was kind of bland, kind of weird. They shot a lot in the volume, so there was some awkward blocking. But Andor, from everything I've heard, you know, they're filming that, you know, I believe in Europe and Pinewood Studios and actual sets and actual locations. They're treating it exactly like an actual Star Wars movie, and they really have ambition to really go above and beyond. And so Tony Gilroy, who, if you don't recall... He is not only a, a great film figure, I guess, so to speak, but he also helped fix Rogue One. We never got to see how bad Rogue One was prior to him, but apparently they needed to throw out a lot and just basically restart, uh, I, I want to say around 30 to 50% of it, depending on who you speak with and depending on the rumors that you read at the time. So he came in, essentially wrote and co-directed, or, or excuse me, ghost-directed, a good chunk of the film. So bringing him in for this makes a lot of sense. Yep. So one interesting aspect comes with him speaking from Empire. He explained how season two will jump four years in the span of 12 episodes. And it leads directly into the events of Rogue One. Here's what he said. Directors work in blocks of three episodes. So we did four blocks in season one of three episodes each. Um, and the article said the shooting schedule organically led to season two's different structure. We looked and said, how would it be really interesting if we came back and we use each block to represent a year? We'll move a year closer with each block. From a narrative point of view, it's, a re it's really exciting to be able to work on something where you do a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then jump a year. So what do you think about this overall unique structure they have going on for the Andor series and um does it make you more excited for what the show has to offer Danny yeah it, it does and, and the first reason why I say it does make me more excited about it in fact when we were when we read this article for for tonight's show I actually re-watched the trailer for, for Andor which they dropped a couple of months ago um well the first thing is the fact that they are that confident and happy with what's happened in the filming of season one means that they want a season two and that was part of the plan so that fills me a bit more confidence of what we're actually going to see in the first season uh, and then when i re-watched the the trailer i got i got those those 
got those feelings back of I really want to watch this because in the trailer, I don't know if you remember, Jammer, but there's 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 no laser fire, there's no Star Wars stuff that we that we would be, so we say, familiar with, other than a few shots of some stormtroopers. Even the Imperial outfits and stuff aren't the ones that we're kind of familiar with. And I love right. all that. And you can see that they've gone to different locations and they, they're using, or you know, certainly gives the impression they're using big, real sets. And it's just making me feel like this actually is going to be something we haven't seen before. Uh, and that's exciting, considering that, obviously, Star Wars recently has been rehashing, as much as I love it, rehashing what we've seen before. There's characters we've never seen before. There's uh, aliens we've never seen before. A lot of humans at the moment, um, not much alien aliens, but ultimately I digress a little bit. I'm excited about it. It means that they have a good plan for it. What it makes me feel is that season one is going to be setting up the rebellion and how that's all growing and how he joins and becomes part of it. And then I get the feeling that season two, those little weekends that you just mentioned, the Friday to Sunday, jumping a year, I get the feeling they're going to be maybe self-contained little episodes, little episodic adventures that he's going on to find pieces of a greater plan. There's a link between all three, but three different, shall we say, missions. So that makes me excited. It's going to be on different planets and we're going to explore different things and have different characters every three episodes for three episodes. So I like it. I like the fact that it's new. I like the fact that it's fresh. It, it was a character, again, that I didn't realise that I actually wanted to see a backstory, of a, a side story, their own story after watching Rogue One. And I really enjoyed Rogue One. It's one of my favourite Star Wars films. Uh, I'm not always, um, yeah. not everyone always agrees with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he wasn't like, oh, I wish we had more of that character. I wish, I wonder if he yeah. gets a spin-off show. Just like we were talking about Echo. I think it's exactly the same as Echo. But once again, we've got news now that makes me more excited about what it is. So, and that's great. And I'm I'm always, always cheering for Star Wars. I'm And, you know, the shows we've had recently have been getting better and good. We had some wobbles with Boba Fett, et cetera. But I'm loving the Star Wars stuff at the moment. So, Long may continue, and I can't wait for it to drop. Do we know when season one is coming? I'm sure we know. I'm sure it's somewhere. Producer yeah, Kyle, we do. Yeah, it's August. Out. It's August. I'll get Damn you it, the Kyle. exact date. Awesome. I got the. I'm it's getting close. the exact date. No, I'm Listen. not. I'm not getting the exact date. It's not in the. It's not in the trailer. <laughs> no so um, and and or hits uh, August 31st on Disney Plus. Brilliant. Damn it! I just brilliant. got. Damn it! You beat me. That's my job. That's my job. <laughs> I know. How dare you do better at your job than me? Anyway, uh, so Andor, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Like, I didn't want to see this character that much. Didn't care. Rogue One isn't a movie that I really like. It's a movie that I feel like relied too much on connections and not enough on standing by itself. And that's why I think fans like it. I feel like they like it for the wrong reasons, to be perfectly honest. They're like, oh, I like it because it's our Darth Vader swing the things and he did the face of Darth Vader. Like, that's what I feel like. That's like, oh, look at the shots from the Star Wars episode four and use footage and stuff along those lines and not as much about you went, the Yoda then. You started to talk like Yoda then. Were you aware of that? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, like, I, I got to say, I got to say this. I, I got to jump in on the, this because the, the one things are the the two things I love most about Rogue One, the ground battle and the fact mm -hmm. that it's the only only Disney Star Wars movie to actually have a battle in freaking space. I'm not counting the bombing run. That was stupid. An actual yeah. an actual battle with dogfight in space. The bombing run in in Last Jedi. The 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 your, your stupid Freaking wanna be B fifty two bombers. That's the one the, the part where, uh, where Kylo Ren 
or when Kylo Ren's crony almost killed Leia, that <laughs> space battle. No, the bombing run <laughs> and being chased and and just having. Oh, you're, oh, or you're not liking it because of the orbit because it's in orbit, so it doesn't count. You're like that guy from Armageddon. Oh my We're not God. even in outer space yet. We're just yeah, in sure. Inner space. Why, why not? But literally every <laughs> every movie ignored the the Star Wars part of Star Wars. Yeah, and and Rogue One had the best dogfight action we we've had since well, Return Return no, of the Jedi. You're full of shit. Mm-mm. That was in orbit too. No, it's not. I'm not, dude. It's in space. It's not in the atmosphere. It's not on a ship. It's in space. It's spaceships fighting. Yeah. It's star destroyers shooting at each other. It's not just a fucking chase. It's a star bat- battle. It's a space battle. The shit in Rise of Skywalker, not a space ba- space battle. That's yeah, in I'm atmosphere. Not, I, I'm not the, even considering the, the crap star, in like, in Star Killer Base again in atmosphere. Both of their battles. They had a really cool battle on on the planet that Ma Maz is from, but that was still in yeah. in atmosphere. The best thing that you get is some pot shots from a a, a, a chase. And then the bombing run in Last Jedi. I know you like the bo- bombing run. It's okay to like trash. I like some trash too, Jammer. But Rogue One had great <laughs> Star Wars. Producer Kyle, it out. Did. <laughs> get, get over yourself, producer Kyle. Mic dropped. <laughs> get over yourself. Anyways, the show itself has nar- or the movie itself had narrative issues, but uh, I'm intrigued, and I think what I, I'm most intrigued about with the series is the fact that we're essentially it seems like it's telling multiple stories within each season which yep. will hopefully prevent the Boba Fett slash uh, Obi-Wan problem where I was just like, or even Mandalorian, be like, where the fuck, are we done yet? Like, are they done yep. just glacially walking across the screen? Can we like have more than one thing happen per scene, please? Yep. And propel us forward in a kinetic and quick way. Um, it's just not something that I have experienced effectively in any Star Wars series yet. And I'm hoping this is the first one to do that. And by condensing the season into like, I guess, a few different subplots, maybe you can effectively do that. Tell those multiple stories. I guess, yeah. I don't know how specifically what these are going to be structured as, but being able to have, like you said, the different missions is a possibility. And, and maybe yeah. even kind of like pull that more episodic nature from, you know, the likes of, of Star, uh, Star Trek. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm excited for it. I'm more excited than I have been. Yeah, um, it's certainly season two, because that's what we're talking about with these episodes. I mean, I don't think from what the article says that season one is going to do that. I think that might be a bit more, should we say, formulaic as far as... The, wait, the wait, so goes. it says I we did it. four blocks in season one of three episodes each. Oh, they did. Sorry. I, I mean, okay, I thought that was just season two they were talking about. Okay, well... No. It, I take it back. Even better then. Yeah, great. That means we hopefully will get something different then, like you said, than than we have with um with certain parts of Mandalorian and with Boba Fett. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited about it. It's only six weeks away. That's great. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, can you clarify? Yeah, I'll clar- clarify for, for you guys. So uh season one is just one one year. This this series covers five five years before uh Rogue One. Uh the first season they have the directors in their their blocks, three episode uh three episode blocks. Season two um is going to basically be the same thing, three episode blocks, but each each block takes up a year in season two. Got it. So that that's oh, yeah. so you get the block thing with directors in both seasons, but uh season two will be like uh what you guys were discussing earlier with uh uh, self-contained arcs well not 
completely self-contained, but you know what I'm saying? A, a single arc, yeah. not a big, huge, overarching story other than we're, we're headed to his, his death on, on a scarif, scarif, whatever. Scarif. I think it's right. Scarif. Scarif. Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I think this definitely increased my excitement for the series and you know between that and everything else i'm like could this be could andor be the dark horse when it comes to quality star wars tv content i really hope so I, i'm not as in love with the mandalorian as everyone else seems to be um so i just it's, uh, it's whatever i think i also i wonder how much of me actually hates it because or likes it less because people like it so much i just don't get it like i get some of the appeal but I just don't get everyone talking about, oh, it's the best thing ever. But once again, that was uh, that concludes this segment of Jammer Hates Fans in uh, this episode <laughs> of Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Anything else anyone wants to say about Andor or Star Wars as a whole? All right, well, let's go ahead and... Oh, yes. No, I said, no, I was gonna, sorry, Jammer, I said not yet, because I have comments when we uh, get to a certain part of the show later, how it affects okay. Star Wars. So let's move from a galaxy far, far away to our favorite little Indiana town, Hawkins. Uh, This, I think, is interesting because I do often wonder about TV and how it's structured and what decisions they have about why things are certain lengths. I'm a huge complainer of modern TV and everyone loves is like, oh, I want more minutes. Give me give me like hour plus long episodes of me. I'm usually like stop at 45 minutes, please. I just don't have enough time for 55 minutes for an hour, unless I'm really engaged with what you're showing me. Like, and I feel like a lot of times also what I, the feeling I get is that we're really just indulging the filmmakers and they're kind of lingering on shots and just dragging things out and just making it boring. And um, I always wonder, like, can someone like just chop it up a little bit, put the good parts closer together and, and maybe not linger on some of these other parts? Like, I'm a, just a huge complainer about modern TV because of that, which is, I think, why I've been more drawn to film in recent, I could say maybe the past five years or so is because it's less commitment and it's not drawn out. It's, it's all about efficiency and storytelling for the most part. Um, and, and that made me go into season four of Stranger Things with some trepidation, which we'll talk about later in terms of my overall thoughts. But I know going to the last couple episodes, I believe one was like an hour and 35 minutes long, the second to last episode. And then the last episode was basically two and a half hours long. It was ridiculous thick boy. And I was like, why? Like, why two and a half hours? Why not split it up? Why not make it two episodes there's no reason what is dictating are they just trying to go for like hey we have a feature length episode like how much of it is them just trying to be like hey we made a movie we basically made a movie we made a stranger things movie hope you enjoy it um but speaking with collider the duffer brothers said the following i think we just couldn't find a good spot to break it because there's almost an hour of build-up tension and then it just goes hard for an hour then we have our 25 minutes of coming down the coda it would have just not been a very satisfying episode to stop it after that first hour. In our opinion, it would have petered out. We didn't want to force an ending, so we just figured it'll just be this monster episode. If you want to pause it, go ahead. Danny, how do you think the final episode fared as two and a half hours? And would you, if given the keys to the Netflix kingdom, said, hey, cut it down the middle or cut it at some point? I think I would have cut it. And, I, and I, the reason why I think that would have been easier than the Duffer brothers are, are giving their, their opinion on is because 
Netflix does drop or did drop all the episodes at once. So having that final episode cut into two would have been a fairly easy because if someone wanted to carry on watching, they could have just pressed next episode, play straight away, and they could have gone into it. So I don't think it's as difficult as they were imagining. Now, had it been a week-to-week drop of a show like Apple has been doing and, 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 other, and Amazon are doing, then maybe I could see an argument where they, well, we've got them invested this week, but they know it's coming. They know it's going to be two and a half hours. They're going to sit down, go to the bathroom, and then prepare for it. But with Netflix, Netflix's, I'm not sure that's good English, but with Netflix formula, they're sticking to their dropping a season. Okay, this was slightly different. I think they could have done it. I think they could have made the, the last three episodes rather than the last two episodes. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Because um, I feel like a lot of TV shows these days that are story-driven, they don't, they don't really usually have an episode structure. It's just the story yeah. goes and then it ends. The story goes yeah. until you cut it off and move on to the next one. Yeah, you'll have like a, a point, a cliffhanger type point, but yeah. it's not structured in the same way as like, you know, TV from the early 2000s and the 90s was where it has I mean, been. They even said it themselves, end. didn't they? We had an hour of build up and then we went for it for 90 minutes. I'm like, well, have that hour of build up then because by the time I've watched, let's say, episode eight, I'm fully invested, right? There's no way I'm not going to yeah. watch episode nine. I've watched seven, I've tuned back in, I've seen eight. Eight's built up to this crazy, or nine's built up to this crazy thing. Oh, you left me there? They're just about to go into the house, or they're just about to start the fight, or whatever. Oh, shit, I can't wait till next week. Or in this case, Netflix case, just press play. Just skip to the next episode. So I think there was a natural break there. It would have been maybe frustrating if we had to wait a week, but I think we still would have waited a week and be talking about it around the water cooler and stuff. So, yeah, I don't I don't buy it. I think the last episode, two and a half hours, as much as I enjoyed certain aspects of it, could have been two episodes. We could have had three yeah. at the end. Could have had three. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if it could have been three. I think it could have been two. Um, oh, okay. Three, I think. Oh, were you, three. No, I meant three. With, uh, the, the one that they dropped and then the one that was two and a half hours. I think that two and a half hours one oh, could be cut into. Right, right. I just meant three new episodes on July the 1st. That's what I meant. The, gotcha. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, you and I thought was also interesting. And this is, I agree with you. Um, though I'm not as like, I don't, I'm not super strong opinionated about it. Cause at the end of the day, as you said, it all kind of dropped on the same day. It, it almost doesn't matter how it's split up, Yeah, but it is interesting that they were asked a question about writing season five to have a deliberate break in the middle to allow for a staggered release in the vein of season four. Matt Duffer said the following. I like what you're saying, which is is if we were to do a split again, write more to the split, write to the split, which we didn't do. We're lucky, um, the thing, we're lucky that seven, episode seven, had that kind of ending with the Vecna reveal that was just fortunate. It was just extremely challenging to get seven episodes out by May. I think it was the most challenging thing we've ever faced while making Stranger Things. So if we were to do it again, I would probably make the split earlier, like you're saying. I would write it into a narrative. I would love to see all eight at once, but it's also... People talk about it more when it's split up. It's a way, a better way that you guys, wait, it's way better that you guys split it up. We're able to keep writing about it. What the fuck? It's way better that you guys split it up. We're able to keep writing about it. Okay, whatever. I yeah. don't agree with this. And Did the reason say, why I don't agree. I was going to say, the, the, I think that comments the, the writer saying that they appreciate uh, more time to cover it, to, to put out more content. I so, get it. Yeah. But it's not written that way. I think that's an error. Yeah, that, that's a, that's what I I don't I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, 
Um, so one thing I think is interesting is, is they seem to be ignoring the fact that I feel like, is it just me or did this season have two distinct places to cut off at the end of episode seven and the end of episode four? They could have released this into three separate chunks, but they chose not to. Like there was a very distinct moment. And I think, Danny, you're giving me the, the confused look. The big well, running up that hill moment. Well, the big running up that hill moment was a perfect place that Netflix, if they wanted to, could have cut it off. There was an earlier place to cut it off and they didn't take yeah, it. There was, there was. They could have literally cut it into three chunks and they didn't do it. I'm just surprised. Yeah. Like to me, I would have loved if they released the three episodes and then at the end of the episode, I think it was episode four where that moment was. So like, all right, come back in two or three weeks or just release yeah. it week to week. Like that would have been a huge mic drop moment for me to yeah. experience it in that way. Um, and then you have the Vecna reveal episode seven and then the end of it. Like it was there. It was there for you, Netflix. Why didn't you take advantage of it? This is me just telling Netflix, stop with the dropping of everything all at once. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. The one episode at a time is, is, has been great. I mean, that we, for the boys and gives us a chance to talk about Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, all the great shows that we have at the moment. It's been great to talk about it for a week or not, maybe not a week, but to talk about it for a few days afterwards and, and have it then uh, anticipation for the next episode. So, yeah, Netflix seems to be sticking to their guns at the moment, but we've got the new Stranger Things in, what, 2024, I believe. So they've got a couple of years to to see how Netflix performs and see if they still have a business in two years' time or whether we're going to be watching Stranger Things on Hulu or something like that. Um, but certainly no to see way. if they change their model over the next two years. I think it's really funny uh, that it seems like the only reason they split it up was because they couldn't quite finish them quick enough to release them in yeah. time. That's the only yeah. reason. It's like, come on, Netflix. They really are sticking to their guns. Yeah. Another weird little news. It's not really news, but I think it's silly and kind of dumb is the Stranger Things. The Dover Brothers want to release a pan and scan version of the series on Netflix. Danny, yay or nay? No. It's funny. I actually, so I bought Die Hard on Apple, my Apple TV. And it's very clear that this comes from like a, like an old DVD because it has a special feature talking about the technology of pan and scan and (laughs) why it's so good. And uh, yeah, so check it out on Apple TV. If you have it, they probably have that edition. It's really weird. It's really is just like a time capsule, but yeah, no, we don't, we don't want the pan and scan. Just no, I'm, I'm good without it. But the more exciting news for me has to do with the Duffer brothers expanding their horizons a bit. You know, they have just um, started producing under a new banner called Upside Down Pictures, recommitting to Netflix with several new projects. So to start with, one project they have is, let's see here. I'm going to skip the one I really want to talk about, but they're getting a new original series from Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews who did Dark Age, Age of, Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Boring, I'm sorry, but hopefully the show's good. They're going to be adapting Stephen King and Peter Straub's 1984 novel, The Talisman, um, and they will create it alongside Amblin Entertainment and Paramount Television. So they seem tailor-made for Amblin, so perfect. Um, the... the show is created by their co-EP for Stranger Things, Curtis Gwynn, 
And uh, yeah, I'm sure it fits in their wheelhouse too, because Stephen King, you know, basically this is like a Stephen King show. This show is like a Stephen King novel. They're creating a stage play within the world of Stranger Things. Okay, whatever. Um, I guess it, it's it's created by a guy who's done The Crown, Billy Elliot and The Reader. Um, and they're going to be produ- producing that alongside 21 Laps, which is uh, Sean Levy's production company. And there's going to be a live action Stranger Things spinoff for Netflix based on an original idea by the Duffer Brothers. This was mentioned, I think, a few weeks back where they're like, oh, Netflix doesn't even know what we're doing. No one's going to see what's coming. So, Danny, before we get into the news that I'm excited about, I'm curious, what is going to be the Stranger Things spinoff? I I can't even think other than those other kids in season two. Ew, no. No, I'm not saying I want that. I just can't think where the... The, this this spin-off could come from unless they, unless obviously the characters that survive go off and have other adventures is that is that the route that they go going in or I, I can't even think of it at the moment I, I can't get my head around it so yeah I have no idea it's either the characters go off on different adventures and get caught up in some other monster mayhem or we go back to those other gifted kids from season two or was it season three Kyle suggested maybe in early days of Hawkins lab. I don't know if there's much, much interesting stuff there enough. Cause uh, personally, I mean, maybe you can follow a uh, Robin and Steve going to college. That could be good though. I'm not sure how much that would differentiate it from the original stranger things. What does that look for? You give me a well, look like it's weird. I want to watch two kids go to fucking college. Well, why, why, why is that interesting? Well, well, I mean, they, they will come across their own series of strange things in the process. Come on. Okay. Okay. Well, you're the right. It's not just going to be them. It's just, it's not going to be them just going to college and doing keg stands. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess I'm just having a problem. See, I I guess, I guess right now I'm thinking I don't need a spinoff. I'm happy with the stranger things. I'm not asking if you need one, Danny. I'm asking you what it's going to be. I have no idea. And I'm kind of happy about that. You tell me Jammer, because you're the writer. I just said I threw out a perfectly cromulent theory. What cromulent? Is that a, is that a Star Trek reference or a what theory? I think it's a, a cromulent theory. I think it's a Simpsons reference. Anyway, no, well, no, that, you can, no, go, don't fudge over that. What the fuck is a cromulent theory? That is a. That is. It doesn't. It's literally just a. I think it's just a pull from something. Is cromulent a real <laughs> word? I pulled on it because it's a reference, okay? Okay, fair enough. I don't know what the actual word means. <laughs> Here, I'm looking it up. Cromulent, acceptable or adequate. There you go. Ah, I'm right. You okay. You are, that's it. Well, actually, you know what? I'm enjoying that. I'm gonna get acceptable or adequate. That's what cromulent means. Okay. I like that. I'm going to use that. So I'm, I'm my wife tells me all the time. At the end of the show. My wife says I'm cromulent. Just narrowly, though. So I think that's what it is. I think it could be a Steve thing because I will follow Steve to the ends of the earth at this point. Steve, Robin, and Dustin are like my favorite characters. So I'll follow them. But then again, I'm not sure if, like I said, it differentiates them enough from, if it's differentiating enough that they're off on their own. I'm trying to think of who was removed. 
Maybe we follow Murray. I don't know. It's a weird character to follow. Um, well, actually, now you said that, I want to know Murray's backstory. Maybe that's the side story that I want that I didn't know that I wanted. How he became the conspiracy theory hiding in the shadows character. What happened to him? His stories, because he must have some stories, the things he learned and the things he knows. There you go. That's it. Well done, Jammer. You, you've actually made me care now. I want Murray's story. Murray. There, there you, you go. go. We call Murray a Stranger Things story. That'll be the same. Yeah. How, how about Stranger just Murray things? Murray oh, yeah, things. Yeah, there you go. Murray things. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit like, so a bit like the X-Files. Every episode is a completely different Murray thing. Another thing that he's discovered or found or, or, or solved. There you go. So another project they have in the works is a new live action series adaptation of the manga death note um so death note is danny i'm not sure based on his face doesn't seem like he's very incredibly familiar with the series am i correct in that assumption only the recent uh movie that was on netflix right that's the only iteration of this um this this manga comic that I'm aware of, and you did you and see Jonesy it? Talking about it, yes, I did, and I actually quite liked okay. it because uh, I did. Well, I didn't know the I didn't know the source material at all, other than what you and Jonesy had told me like a few episodes before when it was coming out or something. So I had no point of reference, no expectations or whatever. I I, I quite liked it. I quite enjoyed it. I think you I think you guys liked it, but it wasn't quite what the manga was. Is that right? Or if I remember that rightly, that's yeah. I, I thought it was. No, I didn't hate it. A lot of people hate it. I think it's a fun, ridiculous, and weird movie. Um, I like, I love who they got to play L, Lakeith Stanfield. I thought he was fantastic. I like some of the stylistic elements they had for it, but it just wasn't the same cat and mouse game that the series, the okay. manga series is, where it's just, you know, it's this, this weird guy who is, or this really, really smart kid who is, trying to stay or and succeeding in staying ahead like a couple steps ahead of the police as he in through supernatural means starts killing people off trying to make the yeah. world a better place and this just it's really great for most of the series it kind of it falls off pretty hard in the last third of the manga series like it's very clear at some point the um the the artist and the writer were very much like okay we're done here but then shonen jump was like but you're really popular keep going keep going so they kept going and it just didn't work. I frankly stopped reading, I want to say five chapters after it kept going. And then I was like, I just don't care anymore. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm just, is it done. still going? No. Is, or, no, 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 no. It ended pretty soon after that. I'm not so sure you how did many chapters it is. No, did I did not finish it. You still, okay. I know you were saying that you were, you were almost done with it. I wonder whether or not you found out that it was only a few episodes left or chapters left or whatever they call them and you you persevered but you didn't you didn't go to the end i did not no i think it was a uh, 10 volumes one two six eight seven eight nine ten so it was 12 volumes overall and they're each about 200 pages of, of comic book pages each so it's like it's it's a fairly um concise story like overall like it it goes longer than it should it should have ended through essentially three volumes earlier in my opinion um but anyways this is a great opportunity for them, um, for the Duffer brothers. I hope that they write and direct it at least, you know, the first episode, or at least they show run it because there is just so much potential. There's lots of, you know, creepy things. It's not really a horror, um, at all. It is, it is straight up. It's a thriller. It's a supernatural thriller. 
And I think they, they have really an opportunity to sort of in, uh, really lean into that unique style that I don't really think any series has any other series that I can think of really has, at least in America, supernatural thriller. Usually one leans heavily into supernatural or thriller aspect combined, not as much. Um, and even when I even think of something like, I don't know, angel, it's just, it's not the same thing. Like it's, it's very different. So I'm excited to see what they bring to it. I think they can really bring some credibility to the manga adaptation space and uh, yeah, I really, I want, I want it. I want it. Give it to me. Good. Yeah, I'm yeah. not that familiar with source material as we discovered, so I defer to your. Uh, I mean, your you know the basic God. aspect of it. Literally, he finds a yeah. notebook. He writes names because he starts becoming corrupt, and it's about him being chased by the police while staying ahead of the police. That's it. Okay. That's the series, and it's uh, that's it in a nutshell. And just keeps going, becomes more ridiculous yeah. as it goes on. So, do it, Netflix. It's the most, it's, it's the property I'm most excited for at this point. Yeah. All right. Last thing that we'll be talking about before we head into our discussion. Uh, and that is the trailer of the week. And that is Clerks 3. That's right. Clerks 3 uh, had its first, I guess, teaser or trailer, whatever you want to call it. I think it's a basically a full trailer drop from Kevin Smith and... It certainly exists. It certainly <laughs> is a trailer that exists. It's not bad, but it, it has it has some good aspects to it. For starters, not saying much, it looks like Kevin Smith's strongest movie in a long time. Just looking at it from a filmmaking perspective, Jay and Silent Bob reboot looked like a student film, visually. It looked awful. This one at least looks like it was made by someone who knows how to make a movie. I feel like that's yep. a really mean thing for me to say, but this one looks like that. It looks, it looks like a movie, which is great. Um, too many callbacks for my taste, but that's like what Kevin Smith does. He always makes too many callbacks to things. Stop making callbacks. Just make a great story. But on the plus side, I, I do like the fact this movie has a, uh, a nice emotional through line to it. It has like a direction that it's going and hopefully has fun scenes that I like seeing the characters in, you know? So I definitely will be seeing it regardless. I would see it even if it looked like shit, just because I'm like, I'll see it, whatever. I'll see this movie, but I really hope it's good. Um, I, I enjoy Clerks too. Um, and I, well, I'm not it definitely, I don't think it's the strongest movie. I just think it's probably in the upper half of his movies in terms of quality so i hope this one at least maintains that and, and is is good that is i think it's a solid movie and could stand alongside the its other two danny what is your familiarity with the clerks movies i know you're not a huge fan of kevin smith but i'm not sure what your exposure has ever been to these either kevin smith or i clerks think movies. possibly maybe once i saw the first clerks film possibly maybe um, only because when I watched that trailer about five minutes before we, we started recording this show, I recognised some people from it, but I don't know why or how. Maybe it was just because I remember a trailer for Clerks 2. Um, there's, here's the thing. I recognise that there are a lot of callbacks in this trailer, and because I don't know what they are callbacks to, other than references to the Death Star and stuff, I've, I've got no 
I've got no point of reference, therefore I've got no joy for this whatsoever. It's all yours, Jam. I hope you enjoy it. End of story. I just don't think this movie should have any callbacks in it. Just make it be a good movie that is in the same okay, movie on its of- own. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, make it make that. It shouldn't like, I don't need these. I assure you, we're still here today. I assure you, we're open and variations that don't need that. Don't need those things that are callbacks to very specific moments in their 30 year lives. Like, why are they referring to these specific things that happened 30 years ago in their lives in this specific small window of their yep. that we get to see? Like, I just don't like it. But I still yep. think this movie looks like it could be fun. Um, yep. So you're not sold on it, Danny. Did it did it stand in any way it. by itself? However, I, no. I well, that's the thing. I was just about to say I do agree with you that this looks like a trailer. It's going to sound silly, obviously. If I get say it anyway, it looks like a trailer for a movie in the sense that <laughs> there is a movie there. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I can see what the story is going to be, even if I don't know the characters or why they feel the need to make their little movie and stuff. I recognize there's some callbacks to some faces that are always uh, stalwarts of Kevin Smith's films that are Ben Affleck's in there, et cetera, et cetera. So I see it all, but I just, again, not being a Kevin Smith fan, I'm like, okay, this one looks like a bit of a self-indulgent thing. Again, go for it. If, if your fans like it, then I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you, but I won't yeah, I be mean, watching it. And as many fans know, this is basically a, uh... It's an allegory for Kevin Smith's own heart attack that he had and okay. sort of going back and making more movies and stuff, you know, and I'm sure it's basically a love letter to all that and good for good for him on, you know, still making movies and, and all that and basically able being able to make a career outside of this. And and as Ke- actually, yeah, Kyle just pointed out in the chat, this is what's really interesting is on LR Mornings got three years ago. Yeah. something like that something maybe like longer. that I'll, I'll try to find it we had a fan who had attended a very specific kevin smith event where he had a reading of the first version of this this was a version way back when before he had his heart attack and this version was going to be a weird over melodramatic tragedy where it would end with dante dying it is just really weird you can listen to that episode. Find that episode. We, maybe we can listen to it later. It's bizarre. Uh, it was October 18th, 2019. This is uh, this is what Clerks 3 may have been. LR Mornings on the uh, Genreverse Podcast Network. There you go. So check it out. Check out that episode. We, we kind of go in depth on the script and what it was back then. But yeah, this is very similar. Kevin Smith even spoke about this on his other podcast and how the other one was very a melodramatic podcast. And as you think he mentioned several times, like it's like the movie forgot that it was a comedy, that the series was a comedy. <laughs> Cause he was, I guess was in a dark place in terms of like Hollywood and all that. Um, and this one is, I guess, more celebratory of that. It's him after yeah. his heart attack, going back, revamping it into something that's more positive. So good for you, Kevin Smith. I'll watch the movie. Will I love it? I don't know. We'll see, but already too many callbacks from my point, but it still looks fun. Kyle, what are your thoughts? I know I, I'm curious about what your overall thoughts are. I know you did a um, thing on. Yeah, on you guys could see my reaction on the Genreverse YouTube channel. Look at that, man. I am professional at at plugging our shit. Uh, I like I liked it a lot for what it what it was. Uh, but I made sure that I I was clear. They have to do what they did in Clerks 2, which is give it something besides 
the familiarity you had to have like like you mentioned the the whole uh randall's heart attack being the emotional through line in in clerks 2 it's dante you know knocking up um uh god uh rosario dawson's character um and what what it kind of meant for him and his his plans that he did have with uh uh his fiance at the time and that's that's what you know locked it down clerks is just a, a ridiculously fun look at this, you know, crazy world. The two guys in this in this crazy world of of the Viewersk universe at their at their jobs. Clerks two actually gave us a, a real good story, and it's it's my favorite uh, of his films so far. Um, this one it's got potential, but it could easily get bogged down in the fact that they're remaking Clerks one. And it'll it'll be tough to see him balance that. So I'm cautiously optimistic. He cares a lot for the name clerk. So I'm I'm hoping. I will say I think I think Kevin Smith does a really good consistent job of writing Randall's character, and Jeff Anderson does a really great job of keeping that character consistent. Like his his line about uh, you know what is this a Tinder date just felt very much in keeping with that character. Um, so yeah, kudos to keeping that character consistent after all these decades all right well that's enough out of us in terms of news let's go ahead and hop into i guess this is who watches we'll do a preemptive who watches before we jump into the movie of the week and that is stranger things season four uh this past july 1st so exactly a week ago the Duffer Brothers dropped on Netflix episode, the last two episodes of the season that consisted of roughly four hours of content and brought a close to the saga with Vecna as the main villain and the most, I guess, bifurcated series in terms of where everyone is. You know, we had Eleven and Co. And, and on the West Coast, not West Coast, on the Western United States area, you got some Joyce and, and, and Murray and Hopper up in Russia. And then you got the rest of the crew back in Hawkins. Did it come together satisfactorily? Danny, what were your overall thoughts of this season? And how does it compare to previous seasons? And are you excited for the finale in 2024? It is my second favorite season after season one. I do think, uh, and it's made me excited to see what they're going to do with season five, especially considering the questions that it leaves. Like, well, who actually is? Knock on wood. Hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Are we going to talk spoilers yet? Well, I wasn't aware that was going to be, but maybe we could. Let's let's do not spoilers first. I just wanted to make sure you weren't about to spoil without a warning. No, no, I wasn't going to. So, yeah, so I am excited about season five based on how season four finished and it's my second favorite season so yes um it's got some challenges but overall i loved it yep season one was the one though and i think it's because it was this new thing and it was the, the wonderful piece of originality um so yeah second yeah, favorite I really, so far i love i think it's my favorite um season one is is good but I do feel like it, it going back and revisiting it, which I had, it just doesn't, not a lot happens. It kind of lingers a bit long and stuff. It, it sets a great tone and creates great characters. But ultimately, as I was making my way through, I was like, oh, season three is actually better than I remembered it. And season two was a lot more boring than I remember it being. Um, mm-hmm. 
And season one also was a little bit more boring than I expected it. But um, season four, I feel like was a nice. It was the most epic, but it also felt more grounded than season three. Season three kind of felt, I don't know how to say this other than saying Scooby-Doo-ish, where you have the kids going into that Russian base. And it was just like, what's happening here? What's going on? It just felt a bit silly. I'm trying to remember it now because I haven't revisited them. So I, I... Season, right, yes, well, there's, there's season the supermarket, three was, or the, sorry, the, the shopping mall. Yes, the mall, 4th of, right, yeah, of July, yeah, and right. the Russian base. Gotcha, and the, yeah, the Russian base being underneath the yeah, underneath the mall that had been built there, especially. Okay, yes. And season now two is nondescript. I don't even know what to call season two, other than the one where Bob got eaten. Was that season two? That was season two, right? Yeah, that was season three, two. Season three was that Russian guy got shot. Yeah. Um, and yeah so anyway season four I think was really great in that it still kind of it still felt really fun it still increased the epicness and scope but I also think it was the most character driven season since the first one that first episode was pure character like just a day in the life slice of life type show for the most part and it was just great getting up to speed I think it has some of the strongest character arcs as well, specifically having to do with Max. Um, her just arc was just beautiful. It was chef's kiss. Eddie as a character, I'm not sure it fully stuck the landing in terms of where they took that character, but it was, I was solid. You know, I ultimately liked it and where they left things. Um, and I also just, I just like all the other characters. They, I think they did a good job of keeping most of them busy um one could argue that you know the people on the west in in sort of like the the desert area wasn't as involved but i was interested in most of the stuff they were doing the biggest weakness for me was the 11 stuff Mm. i was bored through most of the 11 stuff and i won't specify what it was but it was just like i I think they could have i think they were afraid of leaving her out of the plot for a couple yeah. of episodes so they just stretched it out over the course yeah. of like three or four episodes and they could have done that in an episode or an episode and a half yeah. um yeah. and i every single time we pop back to them i was just like oh my god i don't are they still doing there. that still there's not enough happening that? there's not enough yeah, happening yeah. in her subplot to keep it going literally that's the only real fault that i can look at the season and be like boom that's a problem everything else worked on an emotional level and I am just like ready, raring to go for season five. Though, of course, I have yeah. to wait. So in the meantime, I'll just watch season four again. I'll just have it playing on the background at some point. Um, yeah. just great character work, great tone. There was one, actually, no, there's one more moment that I thought was weird. When we visit Dustin's girlfriend, <laughs> her, what a wacky, what a wacky. Yeah, that family, that household. Hmm. Not just that household, but like just the tone was so weird. It was just so bizarre. And I'm like, I felt like we were like in a Disney Channel show or something and not Stranger Things. It was very strange. It felt like a cheaper by the dozen movie. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) It was, I could have done with a little bit of pulling back on that end. But that's just me kind of, it it wasn't long enough. It didn't take up enough time for me to be like, consider it a huge problem. But it did pull me out of the story. Uh, But I know every now and then Stranger Things likes to remind us that the show isn't always super serious and i'm on board with that yeah anyway any other things you'd like to add about stranger things season four other than it's your second favorite 
Yeah, I, th- I, th- I agree with you with the stuff with 11. I think there's one other segment of season four where I think they could have done without or, or certainly could have done less of. Um, but I think we'll touch, we'll touch too much on spoilers to go into. Well, if you want, go let's into- go ahead and uh, take this opportunity. Say, hey, skip ahead five-ish minutes. Yep. And uh, when uh, there should be some indication if you're scrolling on the screen on YouTube that we're going to switch topics to Thor Ragnarok. So just scroll to where you see Thor Ragnarok. Love and Thunder. I put chapters Sorry. in on, on our podcasts in the description and uh, use the uh, YouTube chapters. I'll, I mark uh, for spoilers for you guys. Okay. So check the time code then. And we'll skip to from the spoiler stuff to Thor Love and Thunder. So Danny, yes. go ahead and jump into spoilers as to what you can critique about the season. Yeah, so so overall, I do I do think there was some areas of padding like we just touched on. Um, I do think the Russian stuff, um, mm. as much as I liked uh, the stuff in the prison in Alaska where, um, where Hopper is, I do think a lot of that seemed to be unnecessary. And there was, they, they broke, he broke out of prison and went in and then broke out and then had to break back in again. And they seemed to be bouncing in and out of that. This, the, the fun thing is, though, I enjoyed the character stuff with, and I forget their name, sorry, um, Winona Ryder's character and, um, Joyce, and, Joyce and, and the new and spin-off show from Stranger Things, Murray's show. <laughs> um, I enjoyed those two together. I really enjoyed. So it, I was, it's a kind of a dichotomy because I think that whole thing seemed to be not really have much value or point, but I still enjoyed it because of the way those characters were working together and growing and having fun and the script and stuff. So but the whole Russia thing seemed to be a little bit, a little bit pointless to me. The breaking in and out and stuff. And Hopper, you know, didn't he break his ankle at one point? And, and that yeah. didn't seem to affect anything. And then he was running around in the middle of Alaska with bare feet and didn't seem to have any. And I know these are things that it's just a movie, just get over. But he did fuck up his ankle really badly at one point, and that didn't seem to affect anything. Ten minutes later, and I yeah. thought they would have played. When a character has a bad injury, that's not something you can kind of brush over. It's well, that surely that's going to affect. Well, surely this stuff. It, 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 it is something you can brush over because they totally did it, and because it, totally still, did, yeah. it still managed to be one of the most entertaining seasons of uh Stranger Things yeah. for both of it's us. It's much so. like um, it's much like Pitch Meeting would say it was barely an inconvenience, really, him breaking his ankle. It was barely an inconvenience. Um, so the Russia stuff for me, as much as I enjoyed aspects of it, did seem a bit um unnecessary. And even the way they tagged on at the end, well, we need to help the kids by doing something here. And I'm like, well, that how 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 do you know that's going to help the kids? And how do you know what time zone you're in to do all this stuff at exactly the right time? I loved how it was then put together, everything coming together. Visually, it looked fantastic. I loved it when Hopper picked up the sword and stuff. I knew that was coming at some point. But I ultimately felt that, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. That How did you know that was going to help the kids you're not in contact with and they're in a different time zone and all this stuff. But I think it's a credit to how good most of the show was that all these little things that we could pick at a little bit don't didn't affect my overall enjoyment of the show. I agree with the 11 stuff, the amount of time she spent reminiscing and getting her memories back. That could have been half of an episode. We get the idea yeah. she's remembering stuff to get her powers back. But that just dragged on a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I say, those things did not take away from how much I enjoyed it overall. I love the character stuff. Pretty much most of them are jammed, although I I felt nothing for Mike in this episode. 
And I think we touched on it when we spoke about the first few episodes. His behaviour at the roller rink, the roller disco, when his girlfriend was being bullied, I just, I just wanted to smack that little shit myself because See, he I stood disagree. there watching. But he stood there watching, and then when he did uh-huh. decide to do something, though, Jammer, he went to get the DJ to turn the music off. That's yeah. not the music is not the problem. But but go ahead. I know the kids you, are you, stupid. That bad. Go on. Kids are stupid. Yeah, true. Yeah. That's the thing. Kids are stupid. They do the wrong things constantly. I think we give kids too much credit, and then we we project. Well, oh, obviously, the right thing is to do this. I agree. Well, the other kids don't do the things wrong. Do do things wrong. They all making pretty smart decisions. Who's the God, I'm so terrible. With That's the not true. They make, they make terrible decisions all the time. Like, remember that whole well, they're time? Making de- but they're making decisions to move forwards. They're making a plan to kill the demigogs and demigordons and stuff like that. Whereas Mike's just sitting there watching his girlfriend get bullied. No. Once again, relationships. But you're right. They are kids. They it's are relationships. Kids. Like, there's a difference between making decisions with that and then making decisions with relationships. We all say stupid shit or do stupid things in our relationships. <laughs> it just happens. So... That to me, I believe it. As annoyed, I was equally annoyed, but at the yeah. same time, I'd be like, "Yes, yeah, stupid kid." Like that's what a teenage boy thing. could do. The teenage boy could do that. Do you think though that Mike had much of much stuff to do in this season anyway? So Again, here's the thing: the is season, that he didn't have much in it. That's maybe you can say that for a lot of the stuff this season. Where was it all necessary? No, yeah. but I enjoyed all of it. I had a fun yeah, time true. watching it. Like when everyone had their storylines, with the exception of Eleven's storyline. Yeah. And like you mentioned, the Russia stuff wasn't necessary. No, but I was enjoying watching it the entire it. time. Yeah. yeah, the character stuff was great. I love seeing the interactions. And as long as those work and things are played up to have some relevance, it's fine. Um, no, yeah. but no, I don't think Mike had a whole lot to do this season. But that's fine. But he, he had a lot Mike. to do in previous seasons. So I do think they are spreading the love a little bit to bring all these They're spreading it. They have a lot of characters yeah. to juggle. You know, they yeah. have... God, I'm trying to think here. Who have they added to the main cast? They added Murray. They've added Robin. They've added. Is that it? I'm, Murray I'm and Robin? awful with the names. I'm sure there's others, but I'm awful with the names. What Max? about the younger sister? What the younger sister? Erica of, uh, was Max? added in season three. Oh, Eric. So that's like we got at least four more characters since that first season, four more main characters um, yeah. that are doing things. And that's not insignificant yep. and you got to spread the love somehow. And I think the fact that they are able to incorporate them into the team dynamic, even if they yep. don't necessarily do something that is completely meaningful is impressive. So kudos to yep. Stranger Things for somehow making it work on a paper level, even if it doesn't, when you kind of look at it, it's like, ah, was it really necessary? No, not really. It's one of those yep. things. Yeah. So yeah. But I think we're, we're obviously agreeing that it, yeah, exactly. Did not ruin my enjoyment of, of it whatsoever. It's just in hindsight when you look at it, but no, still still wouldn't have a problem watching it again and enjoying those scenes just as much. No. I started watching episode one again, and I'm excited to just kind of go through the whole season again in the background as I'm doing other things. Super stoked. Yeah. Yeah. So Duffer Brothers, man. I said this last, like a, like a couple months ago, where um, it was, or several months ago, where, where it was revealed, like, oh yeah, there's one more season after this at least. And I was like, I'm ready the Duffer Brothers to do more original things. I still am, yeah. but this reignited enthusiasm in the franchise for me. So I'm yeah. on board with it. Yeah. So really quick, Kyle is, sorry, I have to say this. He says, I'm using my mobile for the podcast. In my mind, I just thought of Bane, time to go mobile. So mm-hmm. there you go. Kyle is going mobile. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So any last words about Stranger Things season four to talk about? We're going to go jump from there into a completely different world with Thor, Love and Thunder. I'm glad you said Love and Thunder and not Ragnarok again. Yeah, I. it's hard for me not to. Um, I don't know why it's so is hard. Is it because to say you were hoping this film was Ragnarok? You know, you know what it is? This is the first Thor movie in a long time that I haven't been writing articles continuously. So it's easier yep. for me to, to make mistakes about what the movies are called because gotcha. I'm, I'm only half paying attention to the title. Whereas before I used to write them a million times a day. Um, but yes, yeah, so Thor Love and Thunder. Currently, uh, the film is sitting at 68% on Rotten Tomatoes with critics, 84% with, an audience, with audiences. And the consensus reads as follows. In some ways, Thor Love and Thunder feels like Ragnarok Redux, but overall it offers enough fast-paced fun to make this a worthy addition to the MCU. Uh, and the synopsis is as follows. Thor Love and Thunder finds Thor on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced, a quest for inner peace. But his retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer known as Gore, the God Butcher, who seeks the extinction, the extinction, the extinction of the gods. To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, Korg, and his ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, who, to Thor's surprise, inexplicably wields his magical hammer, Mjolnir, as the mighty Thor. Together, they embark upon a, a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance and stop him before it's too late. Danny, yeah. what are your what is your Twitter, your quick Twitter review of Thor Love and Thunder? Oh, I'm desperate not to give too much away from a spoiler thing. Non-spoiler. Um, yeah, non-spoiler. My Twitter review is um, a disappointing circus parody of a once-loved character. Ooh, that is harsh. I know, right? That's very Sad. harsh. Sad. Thanks, Trump. Um, what <laughs> What would you rate this in our? C-. I know we're usually this C minus. Oh shit! Okay, you went straight for C minus. For, for me, my review, my Twitter review would be a fun but sloppy entry in the Thor franchise that no one wants a sloppy entry. Yes, sloppy entry uh, to the franchise that. Oh gosh, what was it? Sloppy franchise that sloppy entry in the franchise that almost oh, takes away the credibility of the of the series as a whole. Yep, and ends up feeling like a shallow shell of its predecessor. Yep, what you said that, that's that's one way. Yeah, that's another feeling that I had is that it. Yeah, for me, it's it's ruined the good work that he did in the previous film and that we've had in the Avengers movies, the way his character was written by um, the... I've forgotten the guys that did the Avengers and Endgame. Uh, sorry, Endgame and um, Infinity War. The Russo brothers. Thank you very much. Yeah, those guys and what Taika did in Ragnarok 
built and brought so much character development to Thor from his first two films. And I do feel that this has undone it for me. A lot more, I feel a bit more that they've they've undone it, damaged it, it's taken me out of it, really upset me kind of thing. Whereas you, as you just said, it's not, it's still a fun film, but you feel it has potentially damaged the good work. I feel it has really ruined it. Try not to swear too much, but yeah, really screwed it up. Very disappointed. Yeah, and I could see your your point there. To me, it just on another number of levels, it felt sloppy. First of all, uh, the CG was not great, and I know I I say it all the time: CG shouldn't affect the movie. But it just just felt there's a there's a lack of congruency between the visual elements in the story. Korg's mm-hmm. face looks so stiff when he's talking that it looks like it wasn't fully rendered. There was this scene where um, Jane is talking and has her mask had appeared. And as she was moving her head, you could just tell it was composited onto her head. Very yeah, clearly. It wasn't, yeah. She wasn't, wasn't clearly wear, wasn't wearing an actual helmet. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. It just felt like there was um there was so much focus on giving perhaps freedom to the improvisational aspects that there wasn't enough planning to make everything feel polished. It just felt very rough. And I think yep. that also extends to the narrative. There seemed to be so much room for the the improv that there wasn't that much story. There wasn't really enough to really sink my teeth into. And yep. it just ultimately made and that is highlighted by Jane, who is who has cancer. And like, will he is he strong enough to bring someone back into his life knowing full well that she could very well pass in the near future? Um, that's great, powerful stuff. Taika Waititi is excellent at bringing heavy narrative aspects into his stories, but it just felt like he was let to run rampant with his own, I guess, ADD addled uh, comedic chops and focused too much on the one-liners and not yep. enough on making sure that it's all in service of the main narrative. It did feel to me, and I, and I love the fact that you're, you're so much better at articulating what it is that I'm, I'm feeling about, because it felt to me like he was given a bit too much free reign based on the very goodwill that he earned in Ragnarok, and rightly so. Ragnarok yeah. was, was awesome. I really enjoyed that. It just I just do feel that it needed someone overseeing a little bit and just rain raining him back in occasionally when it got to that that free reign of adding the one-liners and and all oh, this but this could be fun let's do that tell the special effects guys we want the helmet to change because they're having a bit of a battle about who's got the biggest helmet it's that well, yeah that seems funny but now you've like you just said it's made work that's made special effects look unfinished and things so i think he needed a bit more of a a controlling hand a hand on his shoulder occasionally and saying just think Mm -hmm. about that think about the big picture let's just hold back a little bit and he's off on the humor because that is a a a point that i found in this one the the gags and jokes were coming so fast it was almost like an airplane movie where they were just he Mm -hmm. just felt like to me he was trying to fit in as many one-liners and gags um obviously we've touched on spoilers already with you mentioning that jane's has cancer etc so if you're not familiar with the comics then that's how 
she becomes in. So, well, I guess we're touching on spoilers a bit now. So uh, I would say I would consider that to be a premise spoiler, which I don't consider a spoiler because that's like in, the, okay, movie, in the first 15 to 20 minutes. I don't want to reveal anything that happens like outcome at the end, but I'm open okay. to talking to sort of like the main setup stuff. But if yeah, you want to so switch I into spoilers, feel- we could do that no we don't need to i just i just that, that was my point is that the gags were coming too thick and fast and hoping that some were landing and i think a steadying hand on his shoulder and said don't forget that we've got a story and don't forget this is not a lampoon of thought this, this has got to fit in with what he's done before and what we're going to do within the future and how it fits with the other movies that we have in this universe you can't go completely crazy because that does have an effect on the universe that we've created. And we'll touch on that when we do get into spoilers later. So there's a steadying hand, I think, could have steadied this ship and made this a better movie, both, like you said, narratively and effects-wise and story-wise. I think he needed someone to just be on his shoulder and ask him to question things and slow down a little bit. I think that would have helped immensely. But he's earned the right to make the movie. And, and, you know, so... I mean, I think this is a situation where... Because we've seen from Thor Ragnarok, as well as from, you know, Jojo Rabbit, that he has good instincts. And I don't think it's just a matter of he maybe he needed someone. It's just maybe his instincts were just off at this point, in my <laughs> yeah, opinion. Yeah, they were yeah. just off. You know, he had, a, he had a bad day at the office, so to speak, you know, and that's yeah. okay. I don't think the movie is bad. Um, I just think it's mid-tier Marvel, maybe. Um, yeah maybe a little bit less at this point like it's it's okay it's not great it has fun moments to it like there's some aspects that i thought were really funny and really fun and had like the kernels of of greatness in it you know especially with the way the story ended i like the idea of how the story ended and the idea of how the message came full circle and the idea of Thor's overall growth. Those were all great. I things. do like that. I did like yeah. the simplicity of the story. I, I in yeah. fairness, as much as I didn't need it to be connected to all the other films, I like the simplicity of it with that arc that you've mentioned about Thor loving again and the main protagonist, Christian Bale's character. I like the simplicity of it. I just think there was too much fluff around it, like you've just been saying. So yeah, I, I didn't I didn't have yeah. it didn't need to be an overly complicated story for it to be entertaining. So I want to go ahead and talk some spoilers honestly well yeah we'll talk a little bit about like the actual spoilers but what i really want to talk about is some of the gags that they had in here i'm curious about your overall thoughts about them so if you don't want to be spoiled by anything in thor love and thunder be it the actual narrative ending some of the jokes or the post credit scene go ahead and uh head to the end of this podcast where we sign off or you can just leave and we'll be fine we'll be fine we don't need you here Get we'll be fine without you yeah yeah we invited you anyway yeah, who invited you? God damn it. I hate this guy. Or girl. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so let's go ahead and talk spoilers. What did you think of the subplot with Stormbreaker and Mjolnir? Uh, again, th- this is one of those things. That, oh, that's fun. But I wasn't aware that, and forgive my ignorance in the Marvel universe, any fans, I wasn't aware that Mjolnir was a sentient being that could actually have emotions and feelings and stuff, because that's how it was portrayed. Oh, yeah. Thor's so I didn't know that, because that's not been referenced in any of the previous films, whether his standalone films or any of the others. I think it's so been this touched is a new on. Piece of lore. But, um, so that was, well, that was fun, but a little bit strange. But 
the, here's the thing. I did laugh every time the the axe slowly hovered and appeared into the screen <laughs> because that was like, oh, that's fun because it's like, don't forget me. I'm your best friend. But then I, after I laughed, I was like, but that's fucking silly now because I don't that I, I don't. I, is that are they got emotions and stuff now? Now I'm confused, although it was funny because that's typical. That's a typical Taika kind of bit of comedy, visual comedy. Perfect framing of the shot where it just glides into view and right. the camera pans around but i i didn't buy that i've not and i guess that's because a my ignorance in the marvel no i i, I think it was very it was very briefly kind of hinted at it wasn't really made as apparent until this movie this movie really went into overdrive yeah but and i did I, like the i did like how sorry jam i did i did like how in that flashback comedy comedy comedic scene about how they broke up which is really really pretty cool and i love the narration over top of that how because we just they just split up right she apparently went off north to for her own safekeeping as far as we were new from from thor 2 whatever it was but anyway so that whole story how they broke up but how then thor was saying you must look after her when i'm gone and the little glow on mjolnir to show that that some sort of magic had passed to some sort of commandment from Thor had made the hammer now must protect Jane if she gets in trouble that I like that little link but it was surrounded by all the comedic stuff do you know the scene I'm talking about where Manuel happened to be in between them and I thought that was a really nice touch okay now I've got it he's he's unknowingly cast a magic spell from Asgard that now makes the hammer want to look after Jane and when she gets close to death as she does the hammer calls to her Come to me, and I can I can fix you. Basically, I'll fix myself. Or she goes to you. it. Or goes to it. But she was called by it, wasn't it? She heard, didn't she say? Oh, that she I guess she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. She said that Mjolnir called me, and so I went. And that's and that, so that I liked that. I liked that bit, but I had no idea that it was sentient beings, or is that not quite what they are? I'm, I mean, I think they are basically on this. I don't think it was hinted at, you know, heavily enough for us to be like, oh, obviously. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. it was just him really taking being liberal with it. What did you think about him feeding Mjolnir or not Mjolnir, uh, Stormbreaker a beer? <laughs> well, you, well, so you see, now that would be a Viking thing to do. I can see a Viking pour, pouring a beer over his axe before he goes into battle. Um, but whether or not the axe then got drunk or not, I was just waiting for the boat to sway right? because it was I was drunk. thinking that too. Right, and that was just going to mean be me rolling my eyes. Oh, another comedic gag that was funny, but oh, come on, now is everything going to be funny? So there's so many scenes, Jammer, but I will be honest, buddy. The beginning part when um, when he was with Guardians, and here's my challenge with this. The Guardians and um, James Gunn's ability to mix humour and comedy with real emotional depth but keep the seriousness of, of certain situations is brilliant. And that's why Guardians of the Galaxy works so well. Their comedy, their fun, their gags work really well. They seem to be forced with the Thor scenes with him into bit part characters. But that made this film too comedic, too much like a circus, too much like a parody of himself. And here's the scene where it lost me. When he did the splits to keep two spaceships from hitting each other. I genuinely thought, what the fuck am I watching now? Because Guardians has shown that you can be funny and still have a serious film, should we say. But now I'm just looking at this airplane 
sequel film, which happens to have Thor in it. And to jump a few scenes to give you where I completely tapped out, when we had the dumpling god. Right? Because, well, now that implies yeah. then that we've got a donut god and a dog shit god and a, and a candy bar god and, a, and a, an iPhone god, because now you've got gods for everything. Why have dumplings got a god? Dumplings are not sentient beings. Uh, and so that was like, well, now you just opened up this world of nonsense. We're now going to have a, a, a Krispy Kreme donut god that's going to come down and eat Captain America in the next movie. What the fuck? I yeah, I think uh, Kyle reacted. So anyway, about, I rambled. About I God. It was those things that tapped me out. Bow, uh, the bow God. That's a Kyle said. Oh, thanks, Kyle. was a funny moment, but too much in my opinion. I think that kind of sums up, and you've said this on several occasions already. It's like, it's funny, but it really kind of breaks the world. Yeah. And it breaks our immersion thanks. in it. Yeah. And I think that you do work so much better than what I do. That's because I speak American English. <laughs> Nothing to do with you being a talented writer and, and doing this stuff for a living. You just nope, have to bring it. in the fact that you Americans speak American, you don't speak English. But go on, you still do words better than me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, what did you think of... One thing I really appreciated in this movie, this is a stupid thing for me to appreciate, but I'm going to appreciate it anyway is the fact that Matt Damon's recurring character in this movie <laughs> is just a ridiculous thespian. And not only that, you have to have Melissa McCarthy as one of the thespians. And of course, Chris Hemsworth, lesser known brother, whatever Hemsworth is also back. Yeah. I just love the fact that they're back and that legitimately, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Matt Damon continue to come up more as yeah. in the MCU in some random capacities. Like that's his character now. That's just his character. He's not just like a one-off anymore. He is now like, canonically and a maybe character with motivation we will recruit him in the future to act a certain part because they need an actor to portray someone and do we know anybody and i can see king thor saying well i've got this one guy yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah you just sold me on that yeah. he could be, he that, could be someone to help fight the secret invasion there you go exactly by pretending to be pretending he, he could be the dude that's pretending to be the dude that's playing another dude yeah <laughs> Oh, wow, nice to cut there. It's 2009 all over again, or 2008, whatever year that was. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing, and I think you touched on it earlier. There was, there was wonderful comedic moments in this film that I enjoyed, but there was too many of the silly ones that took me out of it, and it broke the world. I love the way you said that. It broke the world for me, whereas Ragnarok walked the line, I think, perfectly between comedy yeah. and taking Thor's character from a thespian-sounding norse god into a more human character for want of a better word which we all then grew to love and then played great in the the avengers endgame etc but this has just taken a step too far for me and unfortunately it really took me out of the film and really disappointed me which is why my score is c minus it's got some funny bits in it but it just it kind of ruined the character for me i did like russell crowe playing with the the when he was like demonstrating the the thing and it seemed like he was going to hand it over just the ridiculous yeah. ways that he was swinging it like a like a pair of nunchucks or something it was just <laughs> ridiculous i did like that playing with his bolt he was twirling his bolt twirling his bolt is that okay yeah that is exactly what he did he twirled his bolt there um what did you feel about the post-credit scenes specifically the one with zeus at the end and his son hercules yeah. played by Again, I laughed and I enjoyed it because it's got that 
Ted fucking Lasso connection to it, which is just obviously not the, that not the character, but the show. And but you know what, Jam? Is again, I laughed, but then I felt, oh, for fuck's sake! Now the gods are going to be coming after Thor, including the dumpling god, which I couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about. And here's where here's where it got me. So what now? Right now we have Marvel thinking that we've got a multiverse, but we've also now got the gods that are coming in. And I just get, and I put this on our Discord channel, which anybody listening or watching right now is more than welcome to come and join us and and, and voice and vent your opinions. Please disagree. Um, where they've reached for something bigger than the Thanos, than the Infinity Saga, and they've gone multiverse. And now I get the feeling they've gone for gods as well. And I just think they're reaching too much for the bigger. Because where do you go after this? You can't get bigger than multiple universes and gods. So my feeling is that they're just reaching for things that maybe we're trying to, we then respond positively to, and that's what they latch onto. And I said in Discord that maybe this next saga, for want of a better word, should have been a smaller saga, just focused on secret wars, had that as a one or two, what they call them, phases, phases, right? They're calling phases. Have one or two, possibly, yeah. yeah, one or two phases, have the ending of secret wars, however that's going to end, but during Secret Wars, hint on a multiverse or hint on gods. And then the next big saga can be the next bigger thing. I think they should have gone a bit smaller than the Infinity mm-hmm. Saga, um, just to kind of cleanse the palette a little bit, but keep us having some fun, and then use that to build towards a bigger one. I think they've gone too big too soon, and they don't know how to actually rein it all in now. So that was my feelings. Oh, this is fun. That's the guy from Ted Lasso. This is going to be... But how does this fit now with everything that they're building towards? That was my long way of saying that. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's not just that they're doing too much too soon, but I feel like, ooh, this is not bad. They might be giving their filmmakers too much freedom and that's right. le- leading to a lack of cohesion between the narratives. Right. Um, where it's like, yeah, do what you want. Yeah, do what you want. Yeah, do what you want. Where's this universe going now? Uh, I don't know. They're just doing too yeah. many things. They're having too many projects and get at while well, simultaneously giving the filmmakers too much freedom. And that has led to right. a lack of cohesion and a lack of direction in this phase or saga of, yeah. you know, the MCU. So, and this is just epitomizes that like he clearly went nuts. I don't know if much thought was given to those things about yeah. the implications of bow, the bow God, the implications yeah. of, you know, the gods moving forward um yeah it seemed very insular so yeah i don't know i i think i agree with what, you what did I don't you think, think of I'm... these things anyway yeah you asked me about what i think what did what did you think of them i know you touched on broad strokes on 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 certain parts of these things but i thought they were fun any... yeah. i mean that they like i said before the, the jokiness and the visual effects just like made it feel very just it lacked polish it lacked substance there wasn't enough substance to make up for all the jokes. And it also didn't help that a lot of the jokes didn't land for me. Some of them did, but a lot of them didn't. A lot of them just kind of felt like first draft jokes where it's just like, well, we'll make that a better joke later, but then we'll never, they never did it. Like Thor never skipped leg day. I'm like, that was funny in 2010, but like, I think we're past Thor not skipping leg day. I don't think that was that funny. You know, just things like that, um, that really just kind of ruined it for me. I don't dislike it as much as you. I, I'm not as upset by the implications. I can kind of just let that slide. I give it the C plus um, where okay. it's above average for me. 
It still yeah. has some good aspects to it. Still has some funny moments, but I don't think it's a strong movie. And I still think Thor Ragnarok's much better. But I know also yeah. Thor Ragnarok was not a movie I loved initially. Um, the first okay. time I saw it, I was just like, ooh, I don't know. This is weird. I think it's okay. It's a bit shallow. Da, 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 da. But then I watched it several more times and I was like, no, this is a really good movie. I, I was wrong. It's better than I gave it credit for initially. And coming out of this, I was like, am I going to feel the same way about this down the line? I don't know. Yeah. But as of right now, it's above average. It's probably... Well, I'm actually... I'm actually... Go on. Sorry about it. Have uh, I'm trying to think here. I think I like Multiverse of Madness more than this movie. Yeah, and me too. I, and I'm surprised that those words were ever going to come out of my mouth. Going into this film, I didn't expect for me to think Multiverse of Madness was going to be better because I wasn't... And I think Eternals is better than that. this movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm actually seeing this movie again tomorrow. I promised a friend of mine that I'd go with them. And when I made that promise, I was under expectations that I was going to love it. And now I'm like, shit, I've got to watch it again. But <laughs> I'm happy to watch it again and maybe see it with different expectations. Um, and, and like you said, maybe I'll see it a little bit differently. But I, I don't think I will, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I don't One think thing I, I do want to mention is we didn't mention Gore this entire time. Probably yeah. kind of telling. I, I liked how he was introduced and his motivation. Yeah. But then he was just kind of made bland. And there, like did, he was kind did, of creepy. I did, he had some I did feel the Christian Bale was in, sorry, buddy. I do feel the Christian Bale looked like he was enjoying it. And there were certain scenes mm-hmm. where I felt like he was really getting into the character when he when he kidnapped the kids, for example, and he and he then appeared in the back of the, 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 the cell they were in the prison cell with that snake thing. Yeah, you remember that, that was when, a good moment when he pulled the head off. He I creepy. think he was really embracing the fact that he's actually a yeah. mean, up, evil bastard here. He's actually he's actually toying with the kids. He's, you know, he's he's gone away from just wanting to kill gods, but he's actually purposely trying to scare these kids. And I do feel the Christian Bale looked like he was having some fun with those with those scenes. I think he yeah. I think he did well with what he was given. Yeah. And like you just said, there wasn't much substance to him, but I think he did well. In fact, that opening stuff with him was the the, the longest I think the movie went without some sort of gag, some yeah, sort of joke being thrown. There was yeah, nothing- it started off relatively serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I, I think there was substance to him. It was just wasn't. They gave him substance, but then played him cartoony. Okay, okay. To the that point where sense. I didn't think there was like enough to really. There wasn't just there wasn't quite enough. Yeah. I do like kind of how they ultimately ended it with him, and ultimately how Thor is now raising his daughter. I thought that was yeah. adorable, and I'm curious to see where that goes. But um, I didn't feel the gravitas of Christian Bale apart from gotcha. that one scene that you mentioned. Yeah. Which, and the thing about that scene is interesting is to me, it's a great scene, but I don't know if it does anything. I don't think, know if it, it doesn't move anything. anything forward, does it? Yeah. It's, right. it's almost like a few of those scenes in Stranger Things, whereas in Stranger Things, it didn't affect the whole, the whole, how much we enjoyed the show. This was just like, well, that was good, but it didn't really do anything to move things forwards or backwards or anything. Yeah, we it felt like know a, a pickup, like a yeah, reshoot yeah. scene, like where like we yeah. need an extra scene so that we feel the threatening of him, threatening. Yeah, but him. yeah, because we and, haven't made him out to be bad enough yet, so we need him to do something bad. What can he do? Scare the kids? That will make him. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, you know what? What the, in my head canon that's making me try to like this movie more? You know what's who's the? Is it Korg? Korg, mm-hmm. the rock dude. Sorry, I'm so awful with his name. 
you know when he was when he's narrating stuff and he gets the names wrong and he said in his girlfriend Jane Fonda and stuff like that you know when he's narrating the story in my head canon jammer what I'm thinking is this movie is Korg narrating this movie which oh. is why it goes mad and stupid in certain areas when actually what actually happened wasn't quite like that so for example in the gods there wasn't a dumpling god that's just Korg adding a bit of artistic embellishment to the story he's telling around the campfire. So what we're watching okay. is Paul's interpretation of the events of Love and Thunder. And that's my head. All the stupid shit didn't actually happen. That's just Korg telling a story. I can take it. In my head. Yeah. I, can get board I don't know that. how they're going to then tell us that in the next film. Everything you just saw was just... I mean, embellished like the, the basic backbone happened, like the main things yeah. happened. It was just like yeah, the exactly. feel yeah. and the tone and the goofiness was just played up. Yeah, like Zeus didn't hold his little skirt thing as he walked down the steps. He I came liked down the that. Steps. <laughs> well, again, I laughed, but now I'm like, so now, now Russell Crowe's playing a camp Greek god. He reminded me of, of King Herod from the Jesus Christ Superstar movie yeah. from like the 60s or 70s, whenever that was. I just kept thinking of the life of Brian with Julius Caesar. Mm. Yep. But anyway, I think we've established that there was these moments that made me laugh. And then I felt I felt like I needed a shower because I laughed at something that I shouldn't have laughed at. I've got to should be serious. But no, I did laugh. It was funny. It's funny. All right. Well, Danny gave it a C minus. I gave it a C plus. Those are our thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder, uh, the latest Marvel Studios film and definitely not the last movie that Thor will be featured in featured in uh, as it said at the end Thor will return whether or not he will return in his own movie remains to be seen but I, I know that both Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth have indicated an interest in at least continuing things on in the future so maybe there'll be a trilogy maybe there'll be a handoff to the daughter to carry on the Thor name down the line who knows we got we got young we got the young Asgardians or whatever kind of set up as well there, there's many infinite directions that the franchise can go in so they're not wanting for any lack of that. So what did you think, though? Let us know in the comments or at lrmonline.com what you thought about Thor Love and Thunder. Before I go ahead and close out, where can the fine people... Oh, no, I don't want to close out there yet. Let me go ahead and plug all the things. Me? Well, not yet. Not yet. Because I need to plug all the other shows. Because obviously, Breaking the Great of the Podcast is not the only show here on uh genreverse podcast network we also have cup of genre genre shots uh anime versal reviews and what else is that it no i know the, it's definitely the cantina it, oh the cantina and uh marvel multiverse mayhem yep uh which is the marvel series have you guys did you guys talk about thor love and thunder yet uh yeah they can uh find a review on on the youtube channel or wherever they get their podcast <laughs> from Give us a tease. What did you think? In two I gave less? it a B-, B minus, and I think it was just severely unbalanced and underused uh, gore. Good idea for gore. They they needed to do more with him to make the make him have weight and us care a bit more about his uh, situation. There you go. Thanos would not like this movie because it is severely unbalanced, as Kyle said. <laughs> Um, but yeah, go ahead and check out Genreverse Podcast Network, both on any YouTube or any uh, podcast platform that you listen on, as well as on YouTube. Uh, but Danny, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me at the movies. I'll be watching Thor Love and Thunder. Against his will, kind of at this point. Against my will, yeah. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Jam the Writer and all my books under the name AJ Cerna on Amazon and Audible. And I would like to take a moment again to thank you, uh, to thank producer Kyle for putting up with us and for continuing to put on the yeah, show on a weekly well. basis. Thank you. Oh, thank hold on. I'll you're just welcome. One, one more thing though before before Kyle, um, um, I, I do feel I need to say this, Kyle, just to make sure that you have some work to do. Fuck. There you go. <laughs> this is a show. That, that's fine. We we can leave that oh, one in. Because we, I think Jammer and I did really well. Sorry, Jammer. You yeah, sign off. Outstanding. Did well tonight. Outstanding. Keeping the, uh, yeah. <laughs> Keeping the f bombs to to the bare minimum. Like we we might be able to pass for PG thirteen on this one. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Other than, yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to uh, you know give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform we can always use the extra bit of love because we are egotistical assholes and uh yeah that about wraps it up i'm not going to sign off like we usually do because the ones who support that sign off are not here so until next time we'll see y'all later a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.